today. Well, we're in a series called uh, How to Live Your... Can anybody come help me out here this morning? I need to help like, all the help I can get. How to Live Your Best Life. And uh, your best life is a loving life. Anybody remember that? And it's based out of 1 Corinthians 13, which is known as the love chapter. The love chapter, you've got it. You're all over it this morning. Um, and the context is really important because the context of 1 Corinthians 13 is written to the church in Corinth, obviously. And they were a gifted, successful church in so many ways. They had vision. They had miracles taking place in the church. Uh, they had brilliant communicators. There was faith, mountain-moving faith in the life of that church. In fact, all of the gauges on that church would indicate that that church was really something. But there was also, along with all those good things happening, there was, uh, there was trouble, there was jealousy, they were impatient, they were unkind to one another, there was a lot of self-focus, they had conflicts, they, had, they were holding grudges. And, uh, well, in fact, why don't we just read it? And when you read this now in the context of that, it begins to make a little bit of sense. So Paul is writing to them and he says this in verse 1. He says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I'm only a sounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but I have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Just seen how the love is in the house this morning. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never what? Love, love never fails. So this wasn't a, a romantic letter, a poetic romantic letter that Paul writes to the Corinthians to hang on their wall and to read at weddings. Um, this was actually a rebuke of the strongest kind. He says, you think you're really something, but you're actually Nothing. You're, you're no, he uses the word nothing. You're zero. You're naught. You're spiritual nothings. You're not spiritual somethings. You're spiritual babies. You're immature. In fact, all these good things happening in your church actually aren't even an indication. Listen to me carefully. And this was the bombshell. This is why this was such a confronting letter. It's not even an indication that you have God at all. And you go, my goodness, how could that be possible? Well, can I remind you of Matthew 7 where on that day, that great day, we stand before God and we say, Lord, I did this in your name, I, I prophesied, I, I did miracles in your name, I cast out demons and, and God will say, depart from me, I never even knew you. You think, how can that be possible? What about Judas? Jesus sends out the 12, gives them authority to cast out demons, to heal the sick, even raise the dead. Judas was amongst them, he was one of them, he did miracles in the name of Jesus and yet his heart was nowhere near Jesus. It's a confronting letter, isn't it? Let me push on that just a little bit before we get to this morning's. You know, imagine this church if every Sunday we had, 
we had an amazing creative miracles taking place. You know, lame people walking and blind eyes opening and, and deaf ears hearing and even dead people coming back to life. I mean, you would kind of, you would think, wow, that's evidence that we are spiritual somethings. That's got to be evidence that, that, that we have a great connection and a relationship with God, am I right? But we're, if we're also full of envy and fighting and grudges, self-focused, impatient and unkind, not loving. According to Paul, we're spiritual lightweights. We're babies, in fact, he uses the word nothing. Now, let me just say one more time, Paul's not diminishing gifts here. He's not diminishing gifts. This letter is written in between the gifts that God gives to the church, but he's giving us a clear sense of priority. This is the preeminent thing. This is what matters the most. And if you want your gift to be something, make sure that you become a loving person. Because if you have that gift happening and you're not a loving person, nothing. This is important. Who can see that this morning? This is preeminent over everything else. If this, this is actually how you and I live our best life. You don't have to be gifted to be loving. The beauty of this is any person can become a loving person. To become a loving person is within the reach of everybody, not just a gifted few. How good's that? Anybody can become an amazingly loving person person and Paul says make that your number one goal make that your ambition let me remind you what John 13 35 says says by this by this shall all men know that you are my disciples fact is I follow a lot of people I'm influenced and have mentors in my life but let me tell you ultimately I'm Jesus disciple and if I want to represent him if I want to be like him well then I have to be a loving person. But you will know that you're my disciples by your love for one another. Everyone say one another. Notice it starts, notice the context. The context is written to a church, people that were together, right? The context is to those who first are close. If you have love for those that are closest to you, it's easy to say, it's so easy to, it's easy to do drive-by, I was going to say do drive-by love, but you know what I mean, kind of like love from a distance. It's kind of like, you know, the world just needs more love. Yes, it does. And we judge those that hate, we judge those that murder, we judge those who, who live in, you know, have all these things going on, but we struggle ourselves to love the ones that are closest to us. It's easy to love from a distance, it's hard to love those that are close. So if you really want to live your best life, are we getting this this morning? If you really want to live your best life, not your plan B life, no matter how successful that is, uh, not your I'm jealous of your life kind of Facebook best, by best pose life, but if you want to live your best life, you have to get this, you have to make it your ambition to become a loving person. So what does it look like? Last week we started on patience. And uh, that's on the podcast. You can have a listen to that. I'll encourage you to do so. In fact, the whole series is there. I want it and yeah, go back over it. Today we want to look at the second part, which is love is kind. 
Love is patient and love is kind. Now, last year, our theme for the year was kindness. We spent a lot of time, did a whole series on kindness. So this morning, I want you to know we haven't exhausted it, but wait, there's more. You see, love here is described in two words. These are the love is words. And it's love is described by two significant words. Love is, if you want to boil love down, it's, it's demonstrated by love is patient and love is kind. Because it then goes on and tells you everything that love isn't. Love isn't envious. Love isn't, love isn't, love isn't. But this is what love looks like. And understand this today. Love is patient and love is kind. And they are both, both sides of the same coin. You see, love is patient. Patient is I will take anything from you. But kind is I will give anything to you. It's one thing to be just, well, I'll, I'll be patient. I'll just wait. I'm just going to wait this out, but let me tell you, you're going to get nothing from me in the meantime. I'm just being patient. You'll have to qualify before you get my kindness. You see in this. But patient is just not what I'm prepared to take from you. Kindness is I'm actually prepared to give to you. The root word for kindness is the word useful. I will do what's useful for you. Kindness is I'll give my life to benefit others. Kindness is basically living an other-focused life. Don't think for a moment that kindness is just kind of like a sweet attitude. Oh, they're so kind. They're just, they're just sweet. They're kind. And we boil kindness just down to, you know, little random acts of kindness. Anybody can jump outside of their real self for a moment just to be kind for a moment and then put it on Facebook and go, how kind am I? It's more than that. Kindness is a useful deed to someone else. It's practical. Gives itself away, even to an enemy. Listen, when Jesus said, love your enemies, he's not saying, feel good about them. Because we automatically think, you know, love is kind of like this feeling thing. And it's kind of like, I've got to feel good about my enemies. No. How many of you find it hard to feel good about your enemies? So when he says, love your enemies, he's not saying, feel good about your enemies. He's saying, do something useful for your enemies. Now remember the context. The context is written to the church in Corinth. And they are having a torrid time. They've got all these good things happening. But there's jealousy. There's grudges. They are angry with one another. There was competition. They were, they were selfish. It was close. Can I just say this morning, that is actually the best atmosphere in which the true, the true characteristics of love can actually shine. Now, please don't go about creating that environment just so we can practice. But you get the picture. It's something that takes guts. To be kind is not just being... It takes guts to do this. It, it's, it's hard. It's not easy. And that's what unconditional love is. Remember, we talked about agape love. 
unconditional. That's what unco- you will not love unconditionally unless you can learn to be kind, even to your enemies. People don't earn your kindness. They don't qualify for your kindness. That then takes kindness to a whole nother level, am I right? Are you feeling this this morning? So how do I do it? Well, a little bit of familiar ground, which we've touched on a number of times. Number one, remember that God is kind. God is kind. Look at Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2, verses 1 to 4 says, You therefore, listen to this carefully, have no excuse. You therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge others, you are condemning yourselves, because you who pass judgment do the same things. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, listen, a mere man, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you not think you will escape God's judgment or do you or do you show contempt do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness tolerance and patience there's those two words together who can see that kindness and patience not realizing that God's kindness leads you God's kindness led you to repentance wow Here's people that have been very judgmental upon others. And it says, when you do that, you're actually showing contempt to the fact that God is kind to you. You don't have to qualify for his kindness. You don't earn his kindness. No, God is kind. Listen to what Titus 3 verses 4 and 6, 4 to 6 says. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared. Who's that? Jesus is called the kindness of God. How good's that? You were saved by the kindness of God. He saved us not because of righteous things we have done. We didn't qualify for his kindness. But because of his mercy, he saved us through the washing and rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Whom he poured out on us. Who he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior. How many of you know that you don't earn or qualify for the kindness of God? Well, maybe some of you did. How many of you know that you don't earn or qualify yourself for the kindness of God? God is just kind. Kindness isn't conditional upon you bringing in something. Incidentally, often one of the things we struggle with is God, how come that could happen to them? How come that good thing can happen to those people? Do you see how they act? Why do good things why do good things happen to bad people? There's your answer right there because God is kind. And he blesses the just and the unjust. He blesses people that don't deserve it. He's kind towards people that absolutely do not deserve it, right? And when we say, God, how can you do that to them? We are showing the fact that we think that kindness is something that is earned or qualified for. But God is kind to everybody. Even people who live in your eyes despicable lives. God is still kind to them. How many of you know that's the truth? We always go, that's not fair. Kindness is not fair. This has got nothing to do with fairness. 
You can't be like Jesus. People say, I want to be like Jesus. Well, I can't be like Jesus unless I learn to love like Jesus. And Jesus is kind. And he's kind to you and he's kind to me. And he's kind to people that are also very unkind and absolutely have turned their back on him, yet God continues to be kind. This is something about the nature of God, am I right? So God is kind. Number two, we've talked about this, but you've got to receive his kindness. You can't give what you haven't first received. And the fact is you've got to let that, remember we talked about the song that you sing. Have you, not just, this is not just something you know, but have you made this your song? Have you made this the theme of your life that God is kind to you? I didn't deserve it. I didn't qualify for it. But God, sorry, Peter, is kind to me. Make that the theme of your life. Make that the song of your life. Receive it. You've got to receive his kindness. And then number three, you've got to let God display his kindness through you. Understand that God is kind. Number two, you've got to receive his kindness and then you've got to let God display his kindness through you, be a channel of his kindness. Remember the story, I mentioned this in our series last year, um, the sample in the supermarket. You go to the supermarket and someone's holding out a sample and you taste it. But the fact is, they're, they're not, it's not about them, it's not about the sample, it's about leading you and giving you a taste for the main deal. That's you and I. Our samples of kindness that we hold out to people that are so undeserving of it, people that other people might not even look twice about or judge their life, when we are kind to people, we are actually reflecting and being a sample of who God is. And we lead people, we put a taste in their mouth. Do you know we leave a taste in people's mouths? What taste do I leave? What taste do you leave in people's mouths? Hmm. Maybe, it's a, maybe, maybe sometimes it's been, and there's been times in my life where the taste I've left in people's mouths has probably been a bitter taste. It's like, hmm, I think I need something sweet after spending some time with you. What about a smoked flavor? Don't you love a nice smoked flavor? Some of us get quite smoky. Remember the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego through the fiery furnaces? They come out and there was no smell of smoke on them. And we go through our own furnace experiences and we come out and, boy, have we got a smoky flavor. And there's a taste. And we hang around them and there might be a whole lot of things said or maybe nothing said, but there's this kind of like there's this, in fact, your eyes start to water. It's not just a taste, but your eyes water. There's so much smoke in the air. And I say that today as one. Now, we're not comparing scars, but we all have things we've got to work our way through. And there's a process in this. But can I just say today that God wants to use you as a sample, a taste. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How does that happen? You are his sample. Taste and see that the Lord is good. I am, a, I am a, a small sample of the one that I serve. 
Ask yourself the question, what taste do I leave in my friend's mouth? And then push it out and go, okay, what taste do I leave in my enemy's mouth? As I said to you, kindness is not just a sweet attitude. Kindness takes guts. Kindness takes strength. And now let me give you just, I think, the best example of this. In Matthew 22, they asked Jesus, they say, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? In fact, it was a lawyer who asked him this, a legalist, one who was an expert in the law. He said, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus answers and he says this, love the Lord your God with all your soul, with all your strength and all your mind. And then what does he say? And love your neighbor as yourself. So a couple of things. Jesus is saying this. If you get this right, you pass the whole test. All of the law, if you get this bit right, if you can love the Lord with all your, all your heart, mind and soul, and if you love your neighbor, you're going to pass the test. You'll pass all of the laws. Wow. But I also want you to notice that <coughs> love is a commandment. Love is legislated. It seems to go against everything we've learned about love. How can love be a commandment? Love me. Jesus is saying, in, in his world, in that context, and to that lawyer, that legalist, that expert in the law, it was a, a world of thou shalt nots. It was all of thou shalt nots. And Jesus says the most important commandment is a shalt. And if you get the shalt right, you won't have to worry about all the shalt nots. If I love you, if I love you as my neighbor, I'm not going to steal from you. If I love you as my neighbor, I'm not going to slander you. If I love you as my neighbor, I'm not going to commit adultery on you. You, you. you get the picture. So the focus is on a shout. Now also, I want you to notice, if he commands you, it's possible for you to do it. It wouldn't be fair of him to make it a commandment and you not have the power to be able to do it. So that takes command, that takes love out of the feelings bracket. Because he says, love your enemies. He's commanding us to love our enemies. Not to feel good about our enemies, but to love them. You're getting this. So if he if he commands us to love our neighbor as ourselves, it's possible for us to do it. It's within my power to do so. In other words, let's put it this way. Love is controllable. 
not controlling, but you are capable of this because it's been commanded to do. Now, the lawyer being a lawyer, look at the account in Luke, in Luke chapter 10, verse 29. He does what many of us are doing right now. He says this, but he wanted to justify, oh my goodness, what did he want to do? Who remembers talking about that? Justifying, self-justifying. We are justified by the grace of God. We've been made right by God. If you think you are justified by keeping the law, you're always going to be wanting to justify yourself. Who remembers that message? And so he's looking to justify himself, so he asks Jesus, all right, smarty pants, <laughs> who then is my neighbor? What's going on here? What's going on here? I'll tell you what's going on here. He's saying this, all right, I'm hearing you. I'll do it for them, and I'll do it for them, and I'll do it for them but I'm not going to do it for them. In other words, he's looking for an out. He's looking for a loophole in this commandment because he's a legalist, remember? He's looking for a loophole. He's looking for an exception. There's got to be an exception to this rule. Now let's just back up and don't be thinking about everyone else, but think about ourselves. We all have someone in our life we struggle to love. Might even be yourself. We all have someone who we struggle to be patient with. We all have someone that we struggle with to be kind. And we go, well, okay, I'll be patient with them. I can get that. I'll wait. But kind to do something for them, to actually do something useful for them? I'll do it for them and I'll do it for them, but not them. They are exempt. And Jesus knew exactly where he was at. He knew exactly where this guy was coming from. So he then tells the story of what we know as the story of the good Samaritan. About the man who goes from Jerusalem to Jericho. Straight away, everyone knew he was a Jew. And then he falls into the hands of robbers. And he's left to die on the side of the road. And along goes past the priest Pastor Russ walked straight past him. Then a walk, long past, long past walked him. <laughs> Walking right past him was a Levite. He was another person from the priestly tribe. What is that saying? That religion without kindness is useless and worthless. He walks past, and then along comes, listen carefully, along comes a Samaritan. And Jesus calls him the what? The Say it again, the now you've got to understand, in this man's mind, there was no such thing as a good Samaritan. There was Samaritans, oh yes. But a good Samaritan, that is an oxymoron. They are two words that should not belong together. There's no such thing as a good Samaritan. Because the Samaritans and the Jews hated each other with a passion. They were sworn enemies. And so it's kind of like, Jesus uses the most extreme circumstance. And he's going, well, who's my neighbor? Surely there's some exemption to this. And then he says, along comes a good Samaritan. It's like, no, surely not them. Like, you got me good and proper here. Jesus is saying, 
no exceptions. There's no religious exemptions, exceptions. There's no ethnic exceptions. There's no tribal exceptions. There's no status exceptions. There's no lifestyle exceptions. Love is kind. Love has no exceptions. There is no way out of it. We do useful things for people, full stop. No one is exempt. sure we've all got people in our minds. Jesus saying, I don't care what they did. I don't care. I, I, don't, I don't care how much they hurt you. I don't care how much they wronged you. Do something useful for them. If you really want to love like Jesus loved, you will find a way. You will find a way. See, love always finds a way to get to somebody. Love finds a way. It does. It just does. If you want to love like Jesus, love will always find a way. It'll get over the top of things. It'll find a way. That's what loving like Jesus does. It finds a way, church. It finds a way. And love wants to find a way this morning. And the way that we're shown to find that way is to not just be patient and, all right, I'm going to be patient with them. I'm going to wait, but I am going to do something constructive. I'm going to do something useful. I'm going to be kind. If you really love and want to love like Jesus loved, love will find a way. It might cause you pain. You might look weak. Friends will say, you what? Listen, even Jesus tried to find a way out. Even Jesus tried to find a way out. Remember in the garden. Remember in the garden he says, Father, not that. If it's possible, if there's any other way, please, please let this cup be. It's, it's too hard to love them that much. It's too hard for me to, to do that act of kindness for them. Father, it's too hard. If there's any other way, please, Father, let this cup be passed from me. Even Jesus tried to find a way. And then he said, not my will but yours. There's our example right there. And they put him on a cross and they nailed his hands to that cross. You know, I've heard it said many times it wasn't nails that kept him there, it was his love that kept him there. Father turns his face, he rejects him. The sun stops shining. He's our example, church. He's our example this morning. One more little point. Verse 34, you don't have to put it up, but 
basically says he went to him. The good Samaritan goes to him. And it literally means he knelt down. He knelt down. Do you know what? For you to show kindness to people, unearned, undeserved, means that you have to kneel down. It means that you have to humble yourself. Get down from your high horse. Literally, he got off his horse. We have to get off our high horse. He humbled himself. We have to swallow our pride. We have to trust God for outcomes. Maybe we have to say, Father, please let that cup pass from me, but nevertheless, not my will, but yours. And we have to kneel down. Does this mean anything to us this morning? This is, this is the real stuff of life. And we can come to church and we can hear nice things and good things and they're all good and they're all helpful. But sometimes we've got to let the word get inside us and we've got to start to actually walk this thing out and it takes guts, it takes courage, it takes humility, it takes faith, it takes all those things. But we kneel down and until we do, it just gonna, it's just going to wash over us. And I wanted to say this, encourage you this morning to not only be patient, but the other side of that coin is love is kind. Patient is about what you're prepared to take, but kindness is about what you're prepared to give, useful. I'll give it to them, all right. <laughs> no, no, useful. Useful. This is hard stuff, isn't it? I know. I know it's hard. And I know for some of you this is so hard. Because we've got some people that... But unless, unless we're patient and kind... That, that's the description of love right there, those two words. It's patient and kind. It's patient and kind. We get to all the, the things it's not. Because you can't be patient and kind if you're envious. You can't be patient and kind if you, ju- if you get the picture. But that's the description of love today. It's patient and it's kind. And some of you have been pretty good at being patient. But maybe this morning it's time to go, okay, it's time for me to be kind as well. Come on, just close your eyes for a moment. Father, I'm very aware this morning... of the loopholes that we try and find, of the exceptions we try and find. And Father, because of those exceptions, we excuse ourselves from the whole thing. And Father, today I pray that we would just understand today that there is no exception and that love will find a way. Father, we remind ourselves today that to love is a commandment and you've given us the power to do so. You've shown us how. Strengthen us today to continue to be patient. But Father, today, let your grace be upon us to also be kind. We ask this in your name. Let this rest upon our heart today. Father, help us to action this, to live it out over the next days, weeks, months, years. 
Lord, help us to be a, a taste of the kindness of God. Thank you, Jesus, that you chose not to make an exception. We didn't earn it. We don't deserve your kindness. But Father, you said, yes, Father. And today, Father, we receive your kindness afresh. Help us to be channels of that kindness. Not just our friends, but our enemies. Father, let your grace be upon us for this, we pray. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, let's all stand up. You know, Bible says it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. <clears throat> it's not the judgment of God, but it's His kindness. And maybe this morning you think that God just stands in judgment of you. God, God is kind of like just waiting for you to step out of line. I want you to know today that God is continually kind. When you least deserve it, when I have least deserved it, I've found that God has been kind. And do I have any friends out there this morning? And kindness is not that everything in life goes well. Kindness is displayed in what? In Jesus. Jesus is the kindness of God. He offered us eternal life. He lived the life we couldn't live, died the death we should have died, rose again that you and I could have eternity in heaven with his Father, a holy God. We could be made right, justified. Stand in the presence of God. Heaven is ours. Woohoo! But to do that, you, you have to come His way. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. You can't get to the Father. You can't get to heaven any other way than except through Jesus. You have to walk the pathway of blood. It sounds horrible, I know, but that's the cross. Jesus became the sacrifice for our sin that we could be made right. And I wonder this morning if there are people that just want to say, Jesus, maybe for the first time, Jesus, I receive your forgiveness. I come your way. I walk that pathway this morning. Just where you are, while every head's bowed, every eye's closed, just before we close this morning, just say, if that's you today, you want to say, Russell, you know what? I, I need the kindness of God. I want to receive that kindness. I want to receive His grace. I want to be made right with the Father. Just where you are, just simply raise your hand and say, yeah, that's me, Russell. I want to receive that. If that's you, just, I'm not going to call you out the front. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just simply want to acknowledge it. Include you in the prayers. Is there anybody here this morning? I don't know you all. I know a lot of you, but not all of you. just want to shine that light, give you that opportunity. Anybody here today say, yeah, Russell, that's me. Yeah, fantastic. That's awesome. You can put your hand down. That's wonderful. What a great thing. What a great thing. Lord Jesus, I think there's a party in heaven this morning. Someone's just said yes to Jesus. What a great thing. Anyone else today? Come on, church. I want us to all to pray together, particularly the person that raised their hand. Just let these words come out of your mouth and it's simply a prayer of invitation of asking Jesus to come into your life. I want everyone to pray with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe in you today. I ask you into my life. Ask for your forgiveness. I ask to be made right with your Father. 
I invite you into my life as my Saviour and as my Lord and as my friend. Now let me pray. Father, I ask this morning that you would just seal that in this person's life today, that they would know that when they put their head on that pillow tonight, that they would have peace in their heart, that they are right with the Creator of the their creator and the creator of our universe. Father, I thank you for this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, and Father, yeah, and Father, I just pray for every other one of us today that we would walk this out. Help us to walk this out. Thank you that you continue to be gracious to us. Father, help us. Thank you for showing us a way forward today. It's not easy, but Father, we want to walk it out. Pray that love would find a way today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. You received the word this morning. Wonderful. Thank you for that, Alistair.